بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيد المرسلين وعلى آله وصحبه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا إلى يوم الدين أما بعد قال الله تبارك وتعالى في القرآن المجيد والفرقان الحميد الذين ينفقون أموالهم في سبيل الله ثم لا يتبعون ما أنفقوا منا ولا أذى لهم أجرهم عند ربهم ولا خوف عليهم ولا هم يحزنون Today we want to speak about a very uh, interesting individual from the Sahaba Abdurrahman ibn Awf radiyallahu an So this, uh, this is our last in the lectures regarding the Ashara Mubashara So to understand who he is Every community, wherever you go, you're going to have a various different uh, range of people who live in that area. Wherever you go, you're going to have the people who are wealthy and you're going to have some people who are poor. You're going to have people who are in between. You're going to have people who are stronger in some senses and you're going to have others who are weaker. You're going to have some people who show leadership skills. And there'll be other people who are just happy to follow. So you have all of these different types of people. The benefit is that if all of these people, whoever it is, if they can learn more about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and what Allah wants from us in this world, then whoever you are from the above category of people that I just mentioned, it will increase you and improve you. So if you're wealthy and you learn about the deen and what's required, then the benefit of that is it will allow us to understand that we must be grateful to Allah, that this wealth comes from Allah, and to be grateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and stop us from becoming arrogant because of it. If a person is poor and is needy, and they learn about the deen, they learn about Allah and His Messenger sallallahu what's required for us, our purpose in this world, then the benefit for them is that poverty will no longer make them despondent and hopeless. They'll be able to deal with it. Allah will give them the patience to be able to understand it. So that's the benefit for them. Then you have the poor and then you have the weak and you have other people. If a person is sick, for example, Allah will give him sabr when he understands that everything is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If a person is in health, then he'll understand that he needs to use his health in the path of Allah and make it valuable. And so on and so forth. If a person is honored in a position of strength, then they will understand that they should not oppress people. And if somebody is oppressed, then they have to understand that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is for them. So regardless of who you are, whatever you are, the best of it is that if we can become associated with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then that increases whoever we are in whatever situation. And whoever is connected to Allah, then لا خوف عليهم ولا هم يحزنون. Because when you're connected with Allah, you become awliya Allah. And Allah says, أَلَا إِنَّ أَوْلِيَا اللَّهِ لَا خَوْفٌ عَلَيْهِمْ وَلَا هُمْ يَحْزَنُونَ those who are the friends of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, there's no fear upon them and they will never grieve. It doesn't say they're going to be wealthy or that they're going to be poor. That's just the nature of this world. But they will know how to deal with it and there will never be sorrow. There will never be anguish for them. They'll be able to deal with the matter. Now let us get on to this last of the Ashara Mubashara, Abdurrahman ibn Auf. His full name as I like to start with, Abdurrahman ibn Auf, ibn Abdul Harith, 
Abd ibn al-Harith ibn Zuhra ibn Kilab ibn Murra. So from Kilab ibn Murra, he joins with the family of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So ibn Kilab ibn Murra ibn Ka'b ibn Luay ibn Ghalib. And it carries on until Adnan. Al-Qurashi. His name in Jahiliyyah, his original name that probably his parents gave him, was actually, was actually Abdu Amr, the servant of Amr, the slave of Amr. Or Abdul Kaaba, the slave of the Kaaba. They used to have these names, Abdul Kaaba, the slave of the Kaaba. So the Prophet when he became Muslim, the Prophet called him Abdul Rahman. You are Abdul Rahman. The servant of the most merciful. It's a wonderful name. Servant of the most merciful. I'm not saying that just because it's my name. It is a really wonderful name. Right? He was born ten years after the he, he was born ten years after the year of the elephants, which basically makes him how many years older than the Prophet? Ten years. Right? So he makes him ten years younger than the Prophet because he's born ten years later. So Abdurrahman ibn Awf, as I mentioned, he's one of the Ashara Mubashara, granted the glad, glad tidings of paradise. He's also one of the six committee members that Umar, when, he was, when he'd been stabbed and he was going to die, he made a committee of six people and said, these six people, they need to decide among them who's going to be the next Khalif after me. And the reason he made it for them six is he said that these are the leftover six Ashara Mubashara, there was actually one more, but he mentioned only six. He says these are the people who the Prophet was happy with before he passed away. So Abdurrahman ibn Awf was one of them, along with Uthman and Ali radiallahu an and the others. How did he become Muslim? And you see, this is the most amazing thing. As we've actually seen with uh, several of the Ashara Mubashara, his Islam, the responsibility of that, or the, you can say, the prophet of all of that goes to Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiallahu an. See, what's very interesting about Abu Bakr as-Siddiq is that he pretty much started giving, inviting people to the way after he, after he became a Muslim with the Prophet He's one of the first to become Muslim and he started to bring in a lot of other people. The reason why he was able to bring in some very good people is because a lot of good people used to come to him because of his temperament, because of his mizaj, because of the way he was, his behavior. He was basically a person who people would feel comfortable with. People would have some familiarity, like it's nice going to him, to sit with him, to get some guidance from him. He was a tajir, he was a, a Abu Bakr, he was kind of a leadership position. He was very soft-hearted, very welcoming, very accommodating, and he was a business person. So people used to come to him, they would like to sit with him, speak to him, and he had a lot of decent friends like that. A person you want to go and sit with. So mashallah, because of that, people trusted him. So when he said, look, this is a great thing, this Islam is a great thing, they, it was much easier for them to accept that because there was no barriers. It was every, they trusted him so much already. So the people that became Muslim at his hands, you'll recognize him by now. Zubair ibn al-Awam who is also Ashara Mubashara. He's also one of the ten. Uthman ibn Affan, I mean, you know, he's obviously there. Talha ibn Ubaidillah, we spoke about him last time. Sa'id ibn Abi Waqqas. So these are all Ashara Mubashara. And Abdurrahman ibn Awf. So that is Zubair, Uthman, Talha, Sa'id ibn Abi Waqqas, Abdurrahman ibn Awf. Five of the Ashara Mubashara. And he's, he's six. So just the other four left. Amazing. And he basically, that's his Sadaqah Jariyah. 
you make somebody Muslim, you bring somebody on the good path, you teach them one good thing, it's all your reward for, the, for as long as they continue. If they teach somebody else and those people teach somebody else, which hopefully is going to carry on, you keep reaping the rewards of that. Essentially, these people would, if they, if they had not become Muslim, they would have just stayed on the sides. Nobody would have known them. The reason we know them right now after 1400 years <coughs> is because they were brought by Abu Bakr as-Siddiq from the periphery, from the side, into the center. And that's how they became elevated. How are we going to be elevated? And subhanallah, today they are prayed for by thousands on the members every week. When people make dua for the Sahaba and especially the Ashara Mubashara, they prayed for every week. What an acceptance that they had. Abdurrahman ibn Auf was also among the first Muhajireen, one of the first emigrators. In fact, he's got both migrations, he's got both. Uh, Hijrats. One, he first went to Habasha for Abyssinia. You know, the first Muslims, they went to Abyssinia. Uthman went as well. And then when he came back, and then after that, he went to Medina Munawwara. So he, he's one of those. And uh, Abdurrahman ibn Awf, since he became Muslim with Abu Bakr Siddiq, this was actually before they started holding meetings, right in the beginning in the house of Darul Arkham. Remember they used to hold a meeting and that was their meeting place. So even before that was in Abdurrahman ibn Awf became Muslim. And mashallah, he got what he did. Uh, the tarbi of the Prophet now is going to show in his life. When we hear about his life and you're going to be, wow, how can he do something like this? All of that is the tarbiya and the nurturing of the Prophet so when he migrated to Medina Munawwara, as you know, whoever migrated, the Prophet ﷺ made them a brother with somebody. Joined them up, linked them up. And generally the Prophet ﷺ would link them up with similar type of people. Similar kind of uh, status, similar kind of uh, mindset. That, I mean, it's best to get people like that. So the person that Abdurrahman ibn Awf was joined with, in, or made a brother with, by the Prophet ﷺ in Medina Munawwara, was, name was Sa'ad ibn Rabi'ah. And Sa'ad ibn Rabi is not so well known as you know, but he was the wealthiest of the Ansar. Abdurrahman ibn Awf was a businessman. When he came to Mac uh, from Makkah Mukarramah to Medina Munawwara, he came empty-handed. He'd, he'd left everything. So the Prophet ﷺ joins him up with the wealthiest man in Medina Munawwara, whose name is Amr ibn Rabi. Amr ibn Rabi is such a wealthy man, but along with being such a wealthy man, he's also a very generous person. And he says, and it wasn't just him who did this, many did this. He says, all my wealth that I've got, I give you half. Now, imagine if your own brother came, right? If you've, uh, people who are here, who've come from other countries. Imagine your brother came from Pakistan or Egypt or Sudan or wherever they, you know, wherever people are from. And they're just starting off and mashallah, you've got whatever you've got. I mean, he had a lot. You, you know, even if you've got a small amount, I give you half of what I've got. This half of your shop is yours. There's some people who've done that or they've maybe not given them, they've got them into the business, helped them set up. But imagine the giving it over. We can't even do that with our own brothers. What kind of Islam must these people have had to give it to somebody, a stranger, that they never met before, no relative of theirs. And it's a very tribal time as well. And then he says, I've also have two wives. If you want, I can divorce one, right? 
to make it easy and when she get, goes to idda and everything you know i can it's just basically showing that i'm willing to give you whatever the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam told us to do this khalas you know we must do this subhanallah abdurrahman ibn awf radiyallahu anhu said barakallahu laka fi ahlika wa malik may allah bless you in your wealth and in your family just dulluni ala suq just tell me where the market is istighna confidence in allah trust in allah and not wanting somebody else's wealth he said just tell me where the market is that same day the first day he went to the market he came back in the evening with some cheese to contribute to the household that he already made a purchase at the end now the way he made his money and subhanallah we can really learn from this and i'm trying to use this in my own ventures the way to do it today is basically go and get a big loan and then you know pump a lot of money and expect not to get profit five years and make sure you have a lot of money coming in and then if it works it works if it's not everybody everybody's money goes down the drain you say you're bankrupt and khalas finished what else are you going to do but the way to do business is start small start small and grow like that and give a lot of sadaqah this is his secret literally i'm telling you and it works the amount of barakah allah will give you is it'll be mind-boggling but you need trust in allah that's the difficulty. I mean, how do I have a kind of trust in Allah that I can do this? Give sadaqah, be trying. How can I do it? I don't have much money. How can I give sadaqah? This is what Abdurrahman ibn Awf did. He went to the market and he purchased a camel on credit. Now, you can do that. You can buy things on credit, right? He purchased the camel from somebody on credit. I'll pay you later. The camel came with a rope around its neck. He took the rope off and he went and sold the camel for the same price. You see his profit? is the rope. He did that. It was a quick, quick turning, a turnover of profit. By the end, he had numerous ropes. In those days, ropes and everything cost money. It's now we've got disposables. You know, I've, uh, 30 years ago, those who are older folk, over 40 and so on, they will know 30 years ago, everything used to be preserved. But now we're living in disposables and it's becoming unsustainable. They're trying to go back to refill. That's why there was a Glastonbury that just took place, the, the music festival. They had no plastic bottles this time. They said everybody must refill. Which is a good idea for masjids to think about in Ramadan as well. Because we're just wasting uh, landfill space or with all of this plastic and things. So anyway, in that day, everything was, everything was Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal used to send back. They used to, uh, they used to sell butter or whatever in, folded up in a leaf. That was their paper. Right, their packaging. He would even send that back after saying that I bought the butter from you, not the leaf. That was the way things used to happen. Right. So he got enough ropes together eventually to buy a camel. And then he started profiting until he had a huge amount of camels. Start slowly, buy one phone, sell it, buy two, get two, three, you know, like that, and you start making it big. I've seen so many people like that. Once he appeared. Uh, with Za'fran on his, there was a bit of Za'fran, saffron, on his clothing. So the Prophet said, what is all that? Like because men didn't put saffron on their clothing. So where are you getting these touches of saffron? He wasn't known to be married. So what's this? He said, I've just married a woman. What did you give her? He said, I gave her the, uh, 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 a seed size of gold. That was my mahar to her. So the Prophet said, okay, you know what? Go and feed the walima. Make sure you give a walima, if, if even one goat. He knew he could probably do it, that's why. You can tell somebody who's enterprising. 
now now understand that he slowly slowly gets a lot of wealth right hard-earned wealth not easier this was an inheritance wealth. this is hard-earned wealth during the during Tabuk the expedition of Tabuk he had 8,000 and the Prophet also wanted donations so he came with four half of his wealth he said I had eight I'm giving you four and the other four I'm leaving for my family the Prophet ﷺ said, Barakallahu laka fima amsakt wa fima a'tayt. May Allah bless you in what you've withheld for yourself and also what you've given. He gave him dua for both. Allah reveals in the Quran about him and Uthman because they were both very wealthy, as was Zubayr ibn al Awam and Talha. They were all four millionaires from the Ashra Mubashara. So you got four millionaires in the Ashra Mubashara. And Talha is actually called Fayyad. He's actually called very, very generous, right? And Uthman, you know his story already, right? So about Uthman and uh, Abdurrahman ibn Awf, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, الَّذِينَ يُنْفِقُونَ أَمْوَالَهُمْ فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ Those who spend in the path of Allah. ثُمَّ لَا يُتْبِعُونَ مَا أَنْفَقُوا مَنًّا وَلَا أَذَى then once they've spent, they don't follow it up with reminding people, hey, I spent on you. Remember, I gave you this, I helped you out. Or any other kind of harmful discussion or behavior with that. Lahum ajruhum They're going to have their reward by Allah. Their reward is with Allah. Again, they have no fear either. They've got nothing to worry about. In fact, on many occasions, the Prophet said to Uthman after he donated, you can now do what you want. Nothing can harm you now. He knew he was not going to do anything crazy. But he basically said to him, you've done such a deed that after this you can do whatever you want, nothing is going to happen to you. You can't be negatively impacted. He then gave 40,000 in the path of Allah. Which, so basically, once he sold a piece of land for 40,000 dinars. Not dirhams, dinars. Just to give you an idea, 20 dinars today is approximately 2,000 pounds. 20. That's the nisab of gold. 20 dinars is 2,000 pounds. What amount is this that he sold the land for 40,000 dinars? That's crazy. You can't even count that, right? He then split it into three. One portion he gave to his family members, the extended tribe of the Banu Zuhra. One third, this was after the Prophet passed away. He gave to the wives of the Prophet Remember, they had, they had no other, in, they had no, not much, they used to give a lot in the path of Allah. And the Prophet passed away. And Abdurrahman ibn Awfred had actually been advised or requested by the Prophet to look after his wives. He knew that he would do it. He gave them one third of this. And the other third for the, for the poor people. Nothing for himself. It's just extra business. So I'll just split it up. When Aisha received, radiallahu anha, received her share, somebody came and gave her some money, this huge amount of money. And she said, who is this from? said, oh, this is from Abdurrahman ibn Awf, radiallahu anha. So she said, yes, the Prophet sallallahu has said, that after me, only the patient ones will treat you with compassion. 
So this is obviously a praise for Abdurrahman ibn Auf. May Allah, then she makes a dua for him, that may Allah give Ibn Auf to drink from the Salsabil of paradise. Inshallah, we can also get these duas today if we help people. Because when you help people, they, eventually there's a dua that comes out if you've really helped them in the right way. After that, he received even more blessing from Allah. He actually says that, he says, I can give this much in the morning and in the evening I'll receive this much. It's like he knew the deal with Allah. That's how much trust he had. So he said that he got, he gave 500 horses to the warriors in a battle. One horse is very expensive, 500 horses, crazy amounts. Then the next time he gave 1500 horses. He starts with a string, literally in Medina Munawwara, and he increases it with giving sadaqah. For that you need a lot of tawakkul. You see, when he was about to pass away, he, before he passed, this wasn't to be done after he passed away. It's easier to say, after I pass away, then give this much in the, up to one third in the path of Allah, right? Because you know, it's not going to be yours anyway, and I'm leaving enough for my family, so it's okay. But to give it before you pass away, which means you're risking, you might stay alive. You see what I'm saying? So a lot of people don't give that much before they, they, they make a wasiyah. Some people give as well. He basically said that give 50,000 dinars in the path of Allah. I told you how much 20 dinars cost. It's 50,000 dinars in the path of Allah. And then he also said, that's in the path of Allah. Then he said this other huge amount, 400 dinars. That's a sum you can probably work out. 400 dinars for everybody who's left of those who had taken part in the battle of Badr. The Sahaba, those who had been taken part, the 313, 15, however many there were, those who were left by this time, right? Those who were left, every one of them should be given 400 dinars. Uthman was very wealthy, he didn't need the money. But when that money was split up and his share came to him, he took it. And somebody said to him that, why are you taking this? You got enough money already. Why do you need to take it? He says, The wealth of Abdul Rahman is pure and it's, it's lawful and pure. And to eat from it gives you well-being. It's healthy for you. Obviously to give before your death is superior to saying that give it after my death because you know, there's, there's more trust in that. This actually totaled about 150,000 dinars to the Badriin only. 150,000. Imagine how much he had. Imagine he had what he had. If only Bill Gates was a Muslim. He's given a huge amount as well. And if only other Muslims can do what he does. Eh, mashallah, we do have. But, but the thing is, don't wait to become like this, then I'll give. Oh, you're going to think, oh, he's got so much he can give. It's like water for him. He started earlier. He started earlier. That's how you become like this. It's like, I should become wealthy first, then I'll give. But if you give, you'll become wealthy. <laughs> but subhanAllah, people don't think that way. That's too difficult to give and then I'll become wealthy. I'm going to become wealthy, then I'll give. I may never become wealthy to give. Subhanallah. Imam Abu Hanifa was the same. 
He used to specially focus on the ulama of the city. And he used to give embarrassing amounts to them. You know, like you go and you take two boxes of chocolate or mitai to somebody's house. That's understandable. Okay, you bring me two, three boxes. It's understandable. Imagine if you go with five bags of shopping to somebody's house. They're going to be embarrassed. Like, what's wrong with you? Like, why are you bringing me so much? He used to give that kind of money to people. <clears throat> anyway, when Abdurrahman ibn Auf died, his wealth was un uncountable. It was a huge amount. Every, he had three wives when he passed away. When he married one of his wives, he gave her like some crazy amount. He had three wives when he passed away. How, many, how much does a wife get from the husband's inheritance? If they've got children. They get one-eighth if they've got children. If they don't have children, then they get, then they get one quarter. Right? So they get one-eighth. Um, thumun. So it's eighth. If you've got three wives, they're going to have to share the eighth. They don't each get one eighth, they have to share. So you have three wives. Every one of those three, just in cash alone, forget other assets, in cash alone, they received 80,000 dinars each. What kind of money did he have? You know, can you imagine the money if one eighth is equal to 80,000 80, times three? 240,000 dinars was one eighth of just the cash. Forget everything else. Aside from the camels, the goats, the horses, and all the other estate, they got that as well. That's a lot of money, man. You guys are in the wrong business. You know, you we're in the wrong business. This is the business you need to be in, sadaqah. It doesn't mean you have to give all of your money away. You give, uh, believe me, this really works. It doesn't matter how much you make a week or month. If you have a direct debit set up, right, every month, you're giving five pounds in the path of Allah. Thirty pounds, fifty, whatever's your amount, whatever's your level. Five pound here, five pound here, five pound to Ummah Welfare, five pound to HMC, five pound to uh, the Masjid, five pound to, uh, well, not ten pound to White Thread Institute, right? Hint, hint, right? Um, automatically it's going, it's purifying your wealth, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to multiply it. It's the best side business that you can do. Better than your Uber and everything else. Do your main business, the side business, sadaqah. That's what it was, sadaqah, side business, the best side business. And again, five pound, just go and set it up tonight. Ten pound, set it up tonight. Fifty pound, whatever it is that it's, you can comfortably do. Just go and set it up tonight if you don't have it already. If you have it, alhamdulillah, then you know the benefits. That's why you have people like from the Prophet ﷺ's tarbi of these people, he's still our Prophet, right? Uthman, Zubair, Abdurrahman, they did business, they gave sadaqah. Then you have the likes of Abu Ubaidah ibn al-Jarrah, Salman al-Farisi, who didn't have so much money, but they were patient. And they all go to Jannah. Abdurrahman ibn Awf had so much tawakkul in Allah. Allah had given him so much barakah that he used to say, لَوْ رَفَعْتُنَّ حَجَرًا لَوَجَدْتُ تَحْتَهُ ذَهَبًا If I am to basically pick up a stone, I can find gold underneath it. Basically, everything I touch turns to gold. Any business I do, because Allah had given him that much barakah. Uh, one of the reports about him say that he was obviously a tajir, a business person. And he, when he died, he left behind a thousand camels, 300,000 sheep. No, 3,000 sheep. 
3,000 sheep, 1,000 camels. 1,000 camels, do you know how much that is? One camel minimum 1,000 pounds. So 1,000 camels. How much is that? Right? Then 3,000 sheep. 100 pounds each, let's say. Right? Minimum, you know. And 100 horses that used to graze around in the Baqir. And in Juruf, which is just outside Medina Munawwar on the border, that's where he used to do, uh, that's where he used to uh, have uh, some crops, some, some farm, farmland. And 20 camels used to feed water, irrigate that place for him, or, or take water for him. And that is where he used to get his yearly income from for his family, from that, from that uh, farming. On one occasion, after the Prophet ﷺ had passed away, there was a huge noise, commotion, heard. It's like an army had just come in, essentially. Such, you know, because the, the, the roads were not paved, so it was all dirt, sand. So essentially you could see that in the distance, all of this uh, dust has gone up, which means that there's a huge amount of movement there, which is causing this to happen. So Aisha, she's in her house in the center, and she's like, what's going on? Like, what's happened? So... What had happened is that this was his business caravan, entirely his, his huge business caravan that had just come back from Medina, uh, from Sham, from business, doing business with all of the, the goods laden on it after it sold and purchased new goods. So he said, Ya Umm al-Mu'mineen, somebody said, this is Abdurrahman ibn Awf radiallahu anhu's caravan, trade caravan just coming back. It's just come back from Sham basically. Umm al-Mu'mineen radiallahu anhu said, Qafilatun such a caravan which causes so much commotion like how big must it be yes umul mu'minin it is consisting of 700 uh, animals or uh, mounts to carry the products 700 like 700 vans 700 vans well maybe not i mean be less vans because vans you could take more in right but uh, maybe maybe one third of that 300 vans 200 vans, even 200, 100 vans, subhanallah, right? Then she said, then this is what she said. She says, أَمَا إِنِّي سَمِعْتُ النَّبِيَ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ يَقُولُ رَأَيْتُ عَبْدُ الرَّحْمَانِ بْنَ عَوْفِ يَدْخُلُ الْجَنَّةَ حَبْوًا He said, I've heard the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam saying that Abdul Rahman ibn Awf, I've seen him entering into paradise, dragging himself in, crawling in, not on his feet. Right. Now these words, they eventually were passed around and they reached Abdurrahman ibn Awf very quickly. That this is what Aisha just said about you. That the Prophet said this. And he remembered the Prophet had said this. And it struck him. It, it, basically, he came to Aisha before he would open up any of these caravans, before he unpack anything. He came to Aisha and he said to her, You just remind me of something that I hadn't forgotten, but it's just come in the, in the front of my mind now. And then he says, Ama inni ushiduki This entire caravan with the everything on them, all the supplies and everything, nothing left, is all fi sabirillah. How can you do that? How can you do that? You think, let me enjoy this. Let me take some of it. I'll give half of it. I'll give a bit of it. Forget half. I'll give a bit. Right? How do you do that? 
700 animals laden with stock and you say fee sabilla all of that and the reason is simple i think right the reason is simple the reason is that you've got all of that money which is fine it's not in your heart it's in your hands so you can easily manipulate it if it's in your heart it's difficult to deal with it it's difficult to turn it somewhere else then it has to stay close to our heart that's what it is he had this money it was well he was just playing around with the money like that and then he said I'm going to give all of this in the path of Allah. Why? He says, Wallahi la adkhulannaha khababan laysa habwan. I'm going, to, I'm going to go into it with great vitality, not, not dragging myself in. I'm going to basically run in. Uh, that's what I'm doing this for. In another one, he says, Wama alayya in tasaddaqtu mi'atan fi sabah, fayu'teenillahu alfan fil masa. He said, So I can give a I, I can give a sadaqah of a hundred in the morning, Allah will give me a thousand in the evening. Not a big deal. I can give a hundred in the morning and Allah will give me a thousand in the evening. That's how much tawakkul he had. Because he tried it. Walakin, but the Prophet had said to Abdurrahman ibn Yabna Auf, once he'd said to him, Innaka min al you're very wealthy. Wa innaka satadkhulul habwan. You're going to enter, if you're not basically saying, if you're not careful with all your money, you're going to go to Jannah because you're Sahabi, right? Radiyallahu anhum wa radu'an. But if you're not careful, you're going to have to go dragging yourself in. Like, you're going to go slowly. You're going to just about get yourself in. Because you're wealthy. Wealth and that is connected generally, right? But, yutlik But you know what? Keep giving loans to Allah and He will remove your shackles from your feet. Basically, keep spending in the path of Allah and Allah will... Basically, take away any shackles from your feet and you'll be able to go into paradise. So that, that's, that's what it is that generally when you become more and more wealthy, wealth gives you a sense of confidence, self-reliance. Makes you feel confident and comfortable. That I don't need anybody else. It's easier to forget Allah when you're wealthy than it is to forget Allah when you're poor. Though you can also forget Allah when you're poor, thinking He doesn't look after me. That's another fitna, right? But generally, this is the fitna. When you have a lot of money, you just forget about it. You don't do shukr. Otherwise, our deen is so wonderful. Seriously, no joke. That you can enjoy a nice meal. You can have a bonus. Got a new job. You just had some new gift. And you enjoy it. But you remember that it's come from Allah and you thank Allah. That is going, to, you're enjoying it, but it's going to make you closer to Allah. Because of shukr. That's the power that a believer has. And nobody but a believer has that. You're enjoying your life. You're enjoying whatever Allah has given you. And you just say, oh, this is what Allah has given me. <coughs> what that does is that calms the humility. It's like, I didn't do this. Allah gave it to me. He gave me the ability to make this happen. That's why Allah just wants us to remember Him, whether we're wealthy or poor. And all of that will take us closer to Him. Closer to him. So that's why generally people are, they become a bit negligent, they become a bit distracted by their wealth. And, uh, but Allah subhanahu wa that's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Kalla inna al insana la yatagha, arra'ahu stagna, inna ila rabbika ruja'a. Which basically means that, nay, the human, the insan becomes tyrannical, a bit arrogant and tyrannical. Arra'ahu stagna, when he sees himself enriched. I've got enough, I can spend, I can get this, I don't need to worry. Do you understand? So what then happens is, 
you just feel so confident that you feel you're independent. So, inna ila rabbika But you have to remember, you're going to go back to Allah. Horses were probably the most valuable assets and, and camels. So once basically he gave to the Muslim army, he gave them 500 camels. If you say, sorry, 500 horses. If you say a horse is worth a thousand, that's 500,000. How many Mercedes can you buy with that? Can you imagine? It's just like this many cars, this many ambulances in the path of Allah. To that convoy which is going. You know what I mean, right? They, they do the convoys. Somebody asked him once, how did you get so much wealth? How, why are you so rich? He says, Wallahi mastaqlaltu ribhan. I've never felt any amount of profit to be less. I'm only gonna... There's some people who keep looking for jobs, the right job. They're not willing to take another one, they keep struggling. Until they find the right job. Because they say it's beneath them. Start somewhere and Allah will give you barakah. And he, then he says, وَلَا بِئْتُ دَيْنًا تِجَارَةُ الدَّيْنِ لَيْسَ تِجَارَةً He says, I never, basically, I never, uh, I never dealt with interest. Right? I never, in fact, I never kept any, I always made it cash. I never did credit. That's another thing. I never sold a debt, which is basically complicated ways of making an interest. You're selling a debt to somebody else. Because he said, لَيْسَ تِجَارَ بَلْ هِيَ ذُلٌّ وَتَسَوُّلٌ وَفَقْرٌ وَهَمٌ Because all of these things, you know, when you're dealing with a lot of debt and interest, at the end of the day, it all leads to grief and uh, poverty, even though it seems a lot in the beginning. He, had, he basically used to do three things in his day. That was his occupation. He was either in the masjid, or either he was out in the path of Allah, or either he was doing tijara. Aside from his family life, he would either be doing some khidmah in the masjid or doing ibadah or he would be a warrior in the path of Allah, right? Because that time is a constant war going on. And number three, he would either be doing his business. He's kept busy. That's another thing. Once he had a collection of people sitting with him for food. And just before the food was going to be brought, and he must have had good food, I'm assuming. Um, he started crying. So they said, what's making you cry, Abu Muhammad? So he says, you know, the Prophet ﷺ, he passed away. And he passed away in a state that he would never be satiated with uh, a full uh, wheat, bread made out of wheat. He never satiated himself with bread made out of because that was very expensive. Barley was cheaper, right? And he says, it looks like we've brought in advance our bounties of the hereafter. That we're having them in the dunya, so maybe we don't have them in here. So he's worried about that. Now remember, he wasn't just spending, he was also doing other things. So during the battle of Uhud, if you remember, the, the Muslims were winning first and then after that, the 50 archers story and then Khalid bin Walid, who was not a Muslim at the time, came and attacked and there was chaos and there was a disarray and people dispersed left and right. But there were people who stayed with the Prophet a group of people and one of them was Abdurrahman ibn Awf radiyallahu He stayed with him, he didn't run away. Al-Harith ibn Simma. He relates that once the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam during the battle of Uhud, he asked me while he's in the, in, in the ravine, the mountain, he says, have you seen Abdurrahman ibn Awf? This was before that. He says, have you seen Abdurrahman ibn Awf? He says, yes. I saw him 
at the side of the little mountain and uh, he had a group of uh, he, he had an army of uh, there was a sorry there was a army of mushrikeen polytheists that were that he was dealing with that he was fighting with so i had gone in his direction to help him But then I saw you, so I saw him and I saw you. They were in two different places. So I saw you, so I came towards you to, pre to help you rather than him. And that's when he asked him, that, have you seen Abdurrahman ibn Auf? He said, yeah, I just saw him there. So Abdurrahman ibn, so the Prophet said, don't worry about him. The angels are going to look after him, they're going to defend him. So Hadith then says that after that, I went in the direction of Abdurrahman ibn Auf. I went to where he was. And I saw that he had seven uh, dead people in front of him from the enemy. So I said, "Mashallah, you've you've been victorious." He says. Uh, did, and then he asked him, "Did you kill all of these guys? Like, did you finish all of these guys off?" He said, "No. This one was Artat ibn Shurahbil. He killed him, and these other two, I killed them. So he killed two guys. But these other guys, there, there were seven, right? Which was." So three and four left. He says, I don't know who killed them. Sadaqallahu wa So then Hadith says, Sadaqallahu wa Allah and His Messenger have told the truth. I mean, these are things that Allah would give to certain people at certain times. He is the, probably the only other person aside from Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu that the Prophet prayed behind. It was coincidental, obviously. So what happened is. Uh, Mughira ibn Shu'bah who said that the Prophet um, had to do something before Fajr time. So I went, I was with him. Uh, then eventually the Prophet came back with his camel and he tied the camel. Uh, you know, sorry, he, he made his camel sit and then he done, did what he did. I poured, uh, he relieved himself. I poured water uh, in, in, uh, into his hands to wash them, uh, uh, to make wudu, etc. And then after that, we went to where the people were and we found that they'd already started praying. And they'd put Abdurrahman ibn Auf in front. So he, they'd put him as the Imam. Right? So he was Imam material from that time, you could see. So the Prophet ﷺ, it was probably dark or whatever, so the Prophet ﷺ went and stood uh, with the Muslims, with the, with the group to, to, uh, to pray with them. So Abdurrahman ibn Auf anhu did not know. He made salam when he finished. And Prophet ﷺ missed one rak'at. So this was in the second rak'at. So when Abdurrahman ibn Awf anhu finished and they looked around and the Prophet ﷺ had stood up to finish off his one rak'at. That's when everybody became very troubled because you've not had this where somebody else has led the prayer and the Prophet ﷺ behind them, right? So they, nas, they, they, they were really uh, taken aback by this and they started saying, Subhanallah, Subhanallah, فَأَكْثَرُ tasbih," Because they basically rushed and they not waited for the Prophet ﷺ, they felt really bad. But when the Prophet ﷺ, the Prophet ﷺ, when he finished, he said, Qad asabtum, don't worry, you've done right. You did the right thing. Right? Qad ahsantum, or Qad asabtum. You did the right thing, or you did the best thing. You do your prayer. Once what happened is, uh, Abdurrahman ibn Awf went and complained about Khalid ibn al-Walid. They, they probably had some issues. So he went and complained to the Prophet ﷺ about Khalid ibn al-Walid. So the Prophet ﷺ said to Khalid ibn al-Walid, Ya Khalid, why are, you, why are you troubling this person from the people of Badr? Why are you troubling him? 
لو أنفقت مثل أحد ذهبا لم تدرك عمله You know the people of Badr they've got such a high maqam and a status that if you he said to Khalid radiyallahu an that if you were to spend as much as the gold uh, as much as Mount Uhud uh, in gold you'd not be able to get their status that that was an early battle that was a very special one Khalid bin Walid had come later right so he felt re- he used to always feel bad about that he had part of that he says you'd never be able to reach him so don't trouble these people so Khalid radiyallahu anhu said Ya Rasulullah, innahum yaqa'una fiya fa'aruddu alayhim they, they basically say things about me so I'm just responding to them They also say things about me That's why I'm just responding to them So then the Prophet ﷺ said to the other side Abdurrahman Aufans La tu'zu Khalidan don't, don't mess around with Khalid Right, don't, don't trouble Khalid فَإِنَّهُ سَيْفٌ مِنْ سُيُوفِ اللَّهِ صَبَّهُ اللَّهُ عَلَى الْكُفَّارِ He's a sword of the swords of Allah that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has basically sent against the disbelievers. So he prays both of them. He says like, don't mess with these, you know, just, just don't do that. You know when we've read the, when Umar radiallahu anhu's story we did earlier, right? We, we spoke about how he chose the six people and how the six people then chose Uthman radiallahu anhu, how uh, eventually they may, they got together and they discussed everything. So I'm not going to go through the story, but if you remember, Abdurrahman ibn Awf was the one who said, I'll take care of this. And I'll, so he pulled himself out, out of the six, and he says, I'm going to now decide within you. So then he first said to them, I want three of you to give over to the other. Right? So uh, immediately three of them said, okay, I hand it over to you. So that eliminates another three. So now there's just a few left. And then he went and he had mashura with each of them privately, Uthman and Ali radiallahu anhu. And then he asked them each question that if I chose you, then would you do this? If I didn't choose you, then would you do this? And he asked both of them, and then he chose Usman radiallahu anhu. Right? So that's his position. So uh, this is what's related that Abdurrahman ibn Awf radiallahu anhu, when he said to them, Hallakum, he offered them this service, Hallakum an akhtara lakum wa antaqi minha. He said, Would you like me to become like the judge and deal with this out of us six? Can I, do you want, do you want me to just take this matter and deal with the matter? So Ali ibn Abi Talib says, Ana awwalu man radiya. I was the first one to be satisfied and to be pleased that he is going to take care of it. فَإِنِّي سَمِعْتُ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ Ali radiallahu anhu said, remember Ali was not chosen by him. But Ali radiallahu said that I was the first to be happy with his choice. That he be the kind of arbiter between us. Because I've heard the Prophet saying about him, أَنْتَ أَمِينٌ فِي أَهْلِ السَّمَاءِ وَأَمِينٌ فِي أَهْلِ الْأَرْضِ You are trustworthy among the inhabitants of the heavens. And you're the trustworthy one among the inhabitants of the, the earth. So I trust him as well. He was a very dignified individual. Just a few more things. When he passed away, he cried a lot. Sorry, before he passed away. When he was about to pass away, he cried a lot. Somebody asked him, why are you crying? Why are you crying? Now he knows he's very wealthy. He knows it, right? He says, إِنَّ مُسْعَبَ بْنَ عُمَيْرِ كَانَ خَيْرًا مِنِّي Mus'ab ibn Umayr, who died right at the beginning, if you remember, the one who used to have very wealthy, his mother used to give him the best of clothes, the biggest, best, uh, most adorned person in Medina, he became Muslim, went to Medina Munawwara. When he died in the battle, he says, he died during the time of the Prophet ﷺ, but there was not enough to shroud him properly. Then you have Hamza ibn Abdul Muttalib, the uncle of the Prophet ﷺ, radiyallahu anhu. He was also superior to me. We couldn't get a coffin for him either. We couldn't get a shroud for him either. And now I am fearful. 
that I am one of those who have basically got advanced all my bounties from the hereafter in this worldly life and they will have them in the hereafter which is the eternal life I'd rather have them there and he says that's what I'm that's but he couldn't help it he gives hundred in the morning gets a thousand in the evening picks up a stone he finds gold underneath he couldn't help it right subhanallah I have a fear that I'm going to be withheld and prevented from joining my friends because of my abundant wealth. These people knew what wealth was. Abdurrahman ibn Awf radiallahu anhu died in 31 Hijri. He died in 31 Hijri and uh, or 32 around that time. He was 75 years old in Medina Munawwara. He was buried in Baqi and Uthman radiallahu anhu prayed over him. He had actually made that request that Uthman radiallahu anhu pray my janazah prayer. So basically look, wherever we are in our life or in our wealth, if you've just got a new suit, a new garment, a new car, don't let that bring a smirk on your face. You know when people see you in it, it's like, you know, don't let that make that smirk on your face. Just treat it as a gift of Allah. And thank Allah, it will... You see, the only way to deal with wealth and not let it overcome you is to write, Allah gave me this. Which means He can take it away from me. In fact, any gift, not just wealth. If Allah has given you a good voice, if Allah has given you a good teaching, if Allah has given you good speaking, whatever. Just think, Allah has given me this. That means He can take it away from me. That suddenly humbles you. It's the best antidote to arrogance. If your friends look up to you, Allah gave me this. It suddenly hum, humbles you. Because it could just take it, it could be taken away at any time. So, that is a huge amount to be learnt from. Right? That's more than enough to be learnt from, from these great people. And that's why we say that the Sahaba, they like stars. Right? I may not be able to find my kind of thing in a particular Sahabi, but I can find another Sahabi. Maybe I can relate to Abdurrahman ibn Auf because he's my namesake. And I'd like to be as wealthy as him just to be able to give. Right? Whatever you have, let's look at the Sahaba because there are a lot of trials and there's a, there's a lot that is being offered to our nafs these days. It's the time of our nafs where your nafs can really enjoy however you want, whatever you want. There's abundant things to attract us and make us negligent. This is the time to think about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to balance that so that we don't just get caught up completely. And the more wealthier people you're around, sometimes you can't help that your relatives are all wealthy. They're all in exclusive cars and suits and things like that. So you feel like you need to do it. If all of your friends have, subhanallah, I, I just had a problem with my phone. I sat with one group of people, they're saying, man, forget about fixing this. It's, three, it's a two and a half, three year old phone, get a new one. And I know if I fix it, it can last me another year. And then I sat with another group of people and I said, I'm going to buy a new phone. Why are you wasting your money? This works. You can get this to work. Can you see how I'm... I wasn't going to buy a new phone. When I sat with that first group of decent people, they said, just get a new phone. They started laughing at me. So I became influenced. I must get a new phone. The next day I was with some of my students and we discussed. He says, no, you, they, they were saying, why would you get a new phone? You're wasting your money. So that made me now think again. Can you see how you're affected by different people? So the kind of company you keep, you're going to be affected by that. In the way you deal with matters. 
They were both right. Now I have to make a decision. I think I've made one anyway. My wife made the decision for me. So anyway, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us tawfiq. Let's make some dua. اللهم أنت السلام ومنك السلام تبارك يا ذا الجلال والإكرام اللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم يا الله we ask you for your benevolence we ask you for your assistance we ask you for your guidance oh Allah grant us understanding oh Allah you've given us abundantly oh Allah you've given us more than so many others in this world oh Allah you've granted us greater dignity, greater honor, greater safety, greater protection, greater wealth. Oh Allah, we can have whatever we want to eat. We can wear whatever clothing we want. Oh Allah, we ask that you don't allow this to make such a place in our heart that we forget what is more essential for us. Oh Allah, grant us barakah in what you've given us. Oh Allah, grant us sabr with what you have given us. Grant us contentment in what you have given us. Oh Allah, we ask that you do not allow us to use what you have given us to disobey you. Oh Allah, do not allow us to use the bounties that you've given us in your disobedience. Oh Allah, we ask that you make everything you've given us a blessed item. Oh Allah, we ask that you forgive us all of our sins, all of our wrongdoings. You purify us. Oh Allah, that you grant us insight and discernment into that which is right and that which is wrong. Oh Allah, you especially forgive us those sins that have now become part of our life. And we don't even now realize that they are sins anymore. Oh Allah, grant us beneficial knowledge. Grant us the ability to withstand the temptations and the trials and challenges. Oh Allah, we ask that you protect us, our children, our families and our progenies until the day of judgment. Oh Allah, we ask that you allow us to be in the company of these people on the Day of Judgment. We ask that you grant us love for these people. Oh Allah, that you keep us away from disparaging the Sahaba and disparaging our forefathers. Oh Allah, that you give us respect and honor for them in our hearts. Oh Allah, we ask that you do not make us among those who insult them. Oh Allah, but rather among those who hope to be with them on the Day of Judgment. O oh Allah, grant us company of the great people, especially with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. O Allah, grant us the company of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in the hereafter. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifoon wa salamun al-mursaleen wa alhamdulillah.